The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of The Health Hero Show. And I have a very special guest today. This is Ellen Cam High. She has been in natural healing and natural medicine since uh, before 1973, uh, before I was, I was actually born Ellen in 1973. So you're around my son's age. (laughs) So that's 50 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I mean, I just, I normally don't read all these accolades stuff, but it's kind of really important. So um, first she, uh, I mean, you have, uh, you're a registered nurse. You're also um, uh, a member of the American Herbalist Guild. You're also certified as an advanced holistic nurse. Um, what else? What other? I know you're oh, a, a lot of things. You're in a doctor of, as well. Yeah, and the American Herbalist Guild. I'm on the board of directors, and also with the American Cannabis Nurses Association. I'm very involved in the education committee. So awesome. a lot of things in holistic. Yeah, a lot of things. And she has. Uh, she's been hosting a radio show on the Progressive Radio Network for for years with uh, uh, and her and her uh, Dr. Eugene uh, Zampirian. Did I spell say that right? Zamperone, close enough. Zamperone. Dr. Z. Dr. Z, that's cool. Yeah, so she's just been at it a long time. She's wrote like 16 books. She's uh, uh, been been there, done that. She's been in the trenches coaching people one-on-one, and now she's more of educating other professionals to uh, be able to help people naturally as well and, and, and doing a good job at it. So we're very delighted to have her on today and have a conversation. So Ellen, I want to welcome Thanks, to you. Well, first off, just welcome you to the show. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here. And thank you for doing what you're doing so that people can get really great information about how to take care of themselves because no one mm-hmm. else is going to do it. Yeah, that is definitely our message over here. I pretty much say it every episode. Our goal, we want people to wake up and feel good, become your own doctor and learn how to self-heal. And that is very empowering for people. And then when you have a good mental faculties and you have a body that can move and go up and down stairs and you're just a very confident person and you, um, and you, you, you can, you can think. And that's where um, we've kind of lost our ways because people aren't thinking anymore. They're letting other people doing the thinking for them. And it's like, Oh, my back hurts. Oh, well you go in here and you know, Oh, take this pill or we're going to do this surgery. We were just talking about, I've lost a couple of friends and and there are surgeries. Yeah. Like I I've had surgery that saved my life. So I'm not Absolutely. We don't want as a nurse, I don't want to throw out drugs and surgery. It's important in the compendium of all things available. Yeah, absolutely. But misuse and abuse is rampant. And um, you know, for you to walk in if if you don't know what's going on with your um with your body, then you go in and you hand it over to somebody else and you know, it's like you go to a baker, they bake, you go to a stockbroker stockbroker, you're gonna walk out of there with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So if you go to a surgeon that you you know you're probably going to get cut and they just do what they're taught to do. And so what we want to do is we want to empower you to like just take a pause and realize that you are nature 
and that the solutions are always going to be nature's based. Um, and there are, there always are nature based solutions. And sometimes you do have to do this crisis management accidents do happen, car accidents, um, you know, and, and then some, some of us have mechanical issues. Maybe you have a defective heart valve from birth. This is where surgery and that kind of stuff shines. But today we're going to be really focusing on the bigger part, which is the, you know, basically we have um, our children today are now are dying younger than us. Uh, the life expectancy charts are, are, are just dropping like a rock here in the United States compared to the other industrialized nations. And Ellen and I are going to have a little chat about that. Um, and we're going to give you guys some solutions. And before that, we're going to get into her backstory. So why don't we start there, Ellen? Like Sounds good. you, you were a little girl at one point in time. And what, what was it like growing up with the food and stuff that you were eating when you were a child and where did you grow up and all that? Okay. Actually, the food was excellent. And that's probably why my mom, who's now 95, is running around. Yesterday, she was at karaoke singing, <laughs> I Got You, Babe, with this big guy with no shirt on. And she was thrilled. And um, we always <laughs> ate really, she wasn't into organic. Because don't forget, this was in the 50s, the 1950s. But she did prepare a whole food meal every day out of food. Not using, you know, I never, ever once ever try I have never to this day ever eaten a McDonald's um, in my neighborhood a Wetsons opened up that was the only one and we went there once and it smelled so horrible that oil that was it never have I eaten that food and neither has my mom so I think that's part of why she's running around right now the food yeah. was really really good plus she swims two miles every single day my dad also he did pass away two years ago, like at 95. Well, 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 goodbye. Like that. Not one day yeah. old. No wheelchairs. No glasses. No hearing aids. You know what I mean? So that's You mean somebody didn't have to pay, put him in a, uh, a care facility for dementia at nine grand a month? That never happened? So also, he was still running around. The last conversation we had, I said, Dad... I kind of think you shouldn't drink and drive because they go out to dinner every <laughs> night and he had a few drinks and then he would drive home. And I said, you know, I really, he said, you know what, when you're older than me, you can tell me what to do. That was one of the last conversations we had. And then unfortunately he did have a massive stroke. You know, you're going to go at some point, but it's about yeah. that compressed aging and feeling really, really well as long as you are here. That's a really good goal. So in my home, we ate really well. That wasn't an issue. My love was always animals. I wanted to go to pre-veterinary medicine. And one of the things I did uh, among many jobs, I was a dancing instructor and I've been a professional dancer for years. And I was a horseback riding instructor and there was a muddy day and the horse slipped and I fell off the horse and the horse fell on me as did the rails because it was called an in and out jump for those people who know horseback riding. It was pretty severe. And the surgeon that I finally got taken to said, you'll never walk again without surgery. But I got a little spiritual message saying, that's not true. I just knew that wasn't true. So I bugged my dad, the same one who just passed away a couple of years ago. We were always great friends and I truly miss him. But I honor his fantastic life and his youth to the end. Let's put it that way. So he took me to the library. By the way, we had card catalogs. You're old enough. You might remember those, Tim. Oh, Borderline. Yeah. So the card catalogs, you pull out the drawer. So I started looking for natural therapies for a hurt back. And there was so much there. 
Here was all the writings of Dr. Bernard Jensen, who I wound up studying with personally, and Dr. Ann Wigmore, who I who I began studying with personally, hmm. and a lot of the older naturopathic physicians who were around in those days. I got their books. There was no internet. There were no credit cards. My father wrote checks. God bless him. I said, can we do this with my allowance? Write checks and mail it to those places. The Edgar Casey Institute had a lot of recommendations and I did all those natural things. And with each natural thing I did, my back got a little better, a little better. And by the time we went back to the surgeon a couple of weeks later to schedule the back surgery, as a matter of fact, so interesting what you brought up, I got out of the wheelchair and walked in there. I picked up the list of everything I did. And I said, doctor, notice I'm walking. I did all this and I handed it to him. Aren't you excited? And you know what he did? He literally took his glasses and held the paper far away and slid his glasses down his nose as if it, you know, this is really bad news because guess what? We did not have to schedule surgery. And of course I was a mere child and I didn't understand that maybe a surgeon, a surgeon would not want to not mm. have to schedule surgery. I didn't understand that. I was like, isn't he excited? And then he said, well, you know, it has nothing to do with any of those things. Those are all old wives tales. What it had to do, oh, what yeah. it has to do with is you just had a spontaneous remission that happens sometimes. And to this day, to this day, when I lecture at medical schools and at top universities all over the world and the country, that's what they say if they see natural medicine work. So that's wrong, incorrect. And I was excited. I said, if that's what old wives tales can do, I'm going to search the globe for every traditional medicine, folkloric remedy, and old wives tale. Because for something to become that, it means it works. But what I did on a scientific level is go to all those places. Like I said, written many books about that. Studied with the indigenous healers and then take those in particular plant medicines and homeopathics into the laboratory to look at the mechanism of action, particularly with plant medicine, why it works. What is the molecular reactivity that will make it have this outcome, which has been observed by indigenous and natural healers throughout history. And that's really what led me on my life's path. Yeah, it's almost like they had, um, you know, ten, in some cases, five to 10,000 years of quadruple blind studies, because it was just you know, learn, it was learned through, through a process. Right. So it was like they had, it, it's, it blows my mind. Like ayahuasca is an example that they were, they took a vine and a plant and they were able to take that concoction and, you know, boil it down over 10 day or 11 days and then come up with something that would create DMT. It's just, the, it's amazing to me how they figured this stuff out. Now it's you true. mentioned, you mentioned a few people, Bernard Jensen. Um, I know like my formulator, Dr. Scott Treadway um, knew him. And um, also, you mentioned somebody that I haven't heard in a while, Edward Casey. Edgar and, Casey. Edgar yeah, Casey. Ed, Ed, yeah, Edgar Casey. And I don't know if you've read this book, but Dr. Stephen Bailey was uh, up in um, Portland, Oregon. I don't know if you know him. He trained under um, he trained under Ralph Weiss, who was a seventy. He he was still doing naturopathic um, uh, work in his nineties. And uh, he wrote the book, The Reluctant Healer. It was a personal story of, of modern nat naturopathy. And it was uh, the life and times of Dr. Ralph Weiss, who was 
Edgar Casey's personal physician. And I think you'll find that to be a, a quite a, a interesting read. Absolutely. Um, I wrote it down because there's no end of learning and I never heard of that before. You're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. So anyway, um, it's really cool. Like, you know, you took, you did something similar to what Dr. Shiva did. I don't know if you know Dr. Shiva Ayadure, but he's, uh, he's, uh, got four degrees from MIT and he, he, um, uh, he invented email when he was 14 and, um, he's from India. And what he did was he was looking at Ayurvedic medicine and then he went back over there on a Fulbright scholarship and kind of connected the dots between East and West. Cause the, you know, the Western medicine doctors were kind of like, like I know everything and da, 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 this over here. And then he had these, he said, these natural healers are kind of hippy dippy and spinning around. And so he kind of bridged the gap because what they found out was, is that there was in Ayurvedic mes medicine, it was actually 10,000 years of biological engineering system science. Right. right. But the words that they used, like vata pitta kapha, made the Western medicine people like, oh, that's just bull. That's you know, it's hokey stuff. But vata pitta kapha was basically in, uh, in, uh, uh, transport, conversion, and storage, which are basic fundamental elements in every system in the world. It's an engineering system, right? Everything's a system. So well, what in he Western did, in Western medicine, they had that similar thought form with ectomorphs, endomorphs, and mesomorphs very much matches that doshas. Yes. Yeah. So what was cool was, is he, then he went into microbiology and um, developed some stuff. So you, I, I see kind of similar paths there where, and, and, and for the people that are out there listening, like you have to understand that when big farm and stuff like that, where are they getting a lot of their ideas? They get them from nature. They actually go to these indigenous people. So that doctor that was scoffing at what you found it's kind of funny because he's prescribing stuff that where big pharma had went out to the indigenous people, went to the roots and the berries and the stems and the bark and the and the and the trees and the leaves, and then extracted these, found out what what these components were, and then synthesized one part of it so they could isolate it, patent it, and then make a profit on it. But unfortunately, it didn't come with all its natural bioflavonoids and cofactors, and it didn't come in its natural form. So in many cases, around ninety percent, there's side effects. Right. So white willow bark, we talk about that one as a simple one because a lot of people are familiar with aspirin and that's where aspirin comes from. So why not just go to white willow bark? Or if you are taking a statin drug, you might want to talk to your doctor about red yeast rice because that's where that stuff comes from. So they take these constituents out of nature and then the doctors are basically prescribing a synthetic form of nature in most cases or a rock, which also comes from nature. So, and then what you did was you went out to all these indigenous places, you got very curious and you, you started taking this back in to the lab and then found out why it was working. And is that part of, um, is that part of your, uh, <clears throat> that one book that was called, uh, uh, you wrote with natural Z, the natural medicine chest. So this one, the natural medicine chest. Yeah. Yes, is that, a, is that a, the culmination of all your work? going into the indigenous people and then coming back. It and has a them. lot of it. It has a lot of that in here, including a lot of the healers, such as healers from the north coast of Jamaica, like Jamba of the Maroons. And he specifically asked us to write down his healing knowledge and share it with the world. And we have many people like that in this book who asked us to, because there's there's a whole movement right now in herbal medicine where if anyone is who is not indigenous is sharing indigenous 
knowledge that really you shouldn't be doing that. I don't particularly agree. Certainly if we ripped it off from him and said it was our own, mm -hmm. you know, that would be not a good thing to do. But many of the people I met specifically asked us to write it down and make it available because like, for instance, in Jamba of the Maroons from the North coast of Jamaica, he was directly descended from Nanny of the Maroons. And Nanny is actually on the uh, $5 Jamaican money. Okay. We don't mm. even have a woman here, but they do in Jamaica. And that was yeah. his, um, his, relative who came on a slave ship actually and ran up into the maroon country on the north coast of jamaica and still they remain there so he gave us permission and in fact asked us to write it down as he taught me over a period of about 20 years until he passed away i so think that's a really important point that you brought up and i want to shed some light on that that her name was nanny nanny nanny, nanny of the maroons nanny. Nani of the Maroon. So she was she was a natural healer and right. she was she was a slave. So once again, a lot of everything that's good for working class people comes from bottoms up. It comes from working class people. I mean, came out of slavery and now she's on a five dollar bill. I don't bill. think she was actually ever a slave. She was well, who brought was the, to who Jamaica. Was, who, who was the slave? You, you mentioned. Slave. No, no. She was supposed to be one. She was brought to Jamaica on a slave ship. Mm. But the minute the slave ship docked, she ran off into the wilderness. Here's her right here. I don't know if you guys can go see up that. a little bit. Yeah. Oh, OK. A I got Nanny it. of the Maroons. So so she what led a, a free free people's movement in the north coast of Jamaica, which is called the Maroons. So, oh, so she got she got out of the slavery deal by taking Correct. off their swift feet. Yeah. That's and, why the Jamaicans are so fast. She started the whole thing. Got it. And and her <laughs> magical herbs, which when she knew she was being taken from Africa, being taken on the slave ship, she strapped them to her middle, like all seeds that were growing and whatever. She was the herbalist and basically uh Kuandera if you're Spanish or witch doctor or you know, bush doctor if you're Jamaican, whatever the name is. And she strapped the seeds and roots and brought them with her. And just luckily, she didn't know where she's gonna wind up. A lot of the African plants from her region were able to grow in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So she was able to reestablish some medicinal gardens there. That's pretty profound and what a cool story. Yeah. Has, she been, has she been written about? Did you? Oh yeah, uh, yes. Okay, she has in cool. fact by me quite a bit and others. So you that's can so find neat. That kind of reminds her. me of this a uh, little bit of the story of Anne Wigmore and her surrogate grandmother who uh, basically raised her and you know during wartime took her out in the ditch and they survived in the ditch when the soldiers were coming through. Um, yes, I started Anne, my Anne, I, Anne and I did lots of work together. Lots of work. Yeah, I was. In, she was I, great. <laughs> Uh, I wish I would have been able to meet her. Actually, my whole health journey started when my friend got cancer. We went to Hippocrates Wellness Center in, in, in West Palm Beach, Florida with Drs. Brian and Maria Clement. And so I'm very, very familiar with them and I promote them all the time because that's where I began my whole, you know, new version of Tim and my whole new life. And I was able to get my health back and start, uh, you know, doing something that I really love, not just going to work for a paycheck, which I highly recommend for everybody. I do because too. like Major. right now, this isn't work. I was telling Ellen earlier, like we're both just having fun right now. And I'm like, I I, I want you to be my mentor. <laughs> and I found out she's also um, a formulist, which is awesome because Dr. Treadway um, 
uh, went in for a routine back surgery not too long ago and, and, and there was complications and he passed away. So, so sad. um, luckily he's got, I got a gazillion formulas that we haven't even launched yet. So I have, you know, it's just a matter of us slowly growing to be able to bring these things out to the world and his knowledge they accumulated over like you 50 some years. But um, I'm so, so pleased to have you in my life right now and I'm excited to have you here. So let's just keep going. Okay, so, well, another another good person to study if you're interested in natural healing really is from very far back in the year 1000-something, and that is Hildegard, Hildegard of Bingen. Now, that's a whole other culture because she's from Germany, and she was a nun, and her healing formulas are amazing, and she incorporated herbs as well as gemstone healing, energetic mm. healing, prayer, um, I deeply study and walk in her footsteps as well. And, you know, one thing I've been doing is studying all these systems for so long and bringing them together and seeing what you really pointed out, like in Ayurveda, where there is a similar thread through all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they just figured out over thousands of years. They know what works and what doesn't work, maybe through trial or error and then also, mm -hmm. you know. Just yeah, smart especially people. about the plant medicine. So if you go out and say, oh, I wonder if this plant would be good for something and you try it and everybody who tries it drops dead, you go, well, that's probably not the best plant to use, you know, so <laughs> yeah. or if everybody throws up or gets skin rashes. Um, so that's what we do with plant medicine. I really do teach plant medicine every day. Today, right after our broadcast, I'm teaching a class locally here. I'm in Oyster Bay, New York at the moment. I live in Oyster Bay in the summer in Florida in the winter. That works for me. And we walk around and look at the wild plants and teach you and we did this at hippocrates in fact recently in florida done it there several times where we have a class where we go out and gather the wild plants and make them into medicine and learn when to pick them how to pick them what to identify because when that's it's a fun thing and it's also a survival tool because then when there was a big hurricane here just a few years ago it was called sandy on long island did a lot of devastation, no electricity for, you know, a week, no cars because the pumps and the gas don't work, you know, et cetera. Most of us, unfortunately, and more and more will, uh, just in the last few days all over the United States, some people now are in that state. No electricity, no running water, no car, no gasoline, your house is gone, okay? In that situation, may it never happen to any of us, but it's happening, Yeah, um, it's good to know. What plant outside can I eat or can I use for medicine? I mean, that is priceless information. I really do believe it should be part of what's taught in, you know, what my kids knew by kindergarten, let's put it that way, and they're in their 50s. It's yeah. very important. Yeah, I've always told people, like, because they were talking about preparedness and all this stuff, I was like, you know, probably the least expensive thing you could get that would be the smartest thing you could possibly get is a wild foraging book for your area. Right. You can probably get it for $5 at a used bookstore, and that could save your life, your family's life, your neighbor's life, maybe your whole freaking entire community because most people are going to sit there and look at a dandelion and go, I'm, you know, the crisis could be happening. They're out there squirting Roundup on it still. So kill, the thing is, kill the weed. Book is important because if we're in that scenario, God forbid, but it's going to happen to lots of us, mm -hmm. um, at least if you have a book, 
you don't need the internet to find yeah. out your information. And you might not be, you might not have it. That's the whole point. It, exactly. Electrical you won't grid have goes it. yeah. You, you know, it goes down. But, um, but like, oh, I have a generator, but your diesel is going to run out. Right. Your propane and knowing ahead out. of time is important because the day of the thing is not the day to try to decide if it's the right plant or not. <clears throat> so that's why it's good to just learn about it for fun, you know, as a fun little hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do a lot of foraging up here. We're picking huckleberries right now. We have an extended huckleberry season. We pick royal mushroom. Uh, Northeast Oregon. So you're kind of, my son lives in Seattle area okay so similar okay. plants over there yeah yeah and then you he probably i don't know if he's done it but chanterelle mushrooms are like right now yeah that's can... delicious see that's a specialty right those those things are good they're really good okay so you grew up healthy with your mom that's awesome uh, you grew up pre uh conventional versus organic because there wasn't any chemicals really until the 60s before well, after there, war. there just was not even the word organic it was just food. Truthfully, yeah, nothing was genetically modified. Um, there wasn't even giant industrial farming yet. It was a completely mm -hmm. different world, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's great. So you had a, a better constitution because you were probably, your mom was raised on healthy, natural food occurring in nature, and you were probably breastfed, hopefully for the pre No, 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 no. My mom was a real, very modern 50s woman, uh -oh. and she would never <laughs> have done that. She was totally into, you know, formula. No, 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 no. Ruin her figure? No way. <laughs> oh, no. I, I did. See. I breastfed my children who were in their 50s, as I said, because um, after that, I, I created an off-the-grid community in Bisbee, Arizona, and boy, is that ever a great place to go for any of you listeners just for a vacation or even to consider a safe place to move because it's in Arizona it's about a hundred miles south of Tucson but it's a mile high in the mountains so the weather is really you know we even have some deciduous forests nearby is there any mosquitoes there no nope. okay well you, get, you had me at no mosquitoes all yeah. right Ellen we got to take a quick break and when we get back we'll pick up our conversation where we left off on breast milk. We'll be right back. Okay. The average person today is carrying around six to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1000 year old formula from India gently micro cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health. The best part? It is super gentle, and there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Ellen Camhai. I should say doctor. You're a doctor. I mean, Yes, I'm a PhDRN. That is correct. That's, that's right. A doctor and a nurse. I'm here with Dr. Nurse Ellen Kamhai. I think you're the first doctor nurse I've had on the show. That's pretty cool. And a lot more stuff. Okay, so I want to wrap this up about and continue talking about breast milk since it's it's very near and dear to me because I was adopted. I was whisked away after birth. I never got all those necessary antibodies and stuff like that. Have you you're probably aware of this because you weren't breastfed? I mean, did you get into bifidobacterium? I mean, what have you done for yourself personally to do your best to recolonize right. your gut? I think I, I think I had no problem with it whatsoever. But I have one another book that I wrote is called Cycles of Life, 
herbs for that, women. Yeah. And in that book, I have a lot about breastfeeding, the benefits of breastfeeding and what to do if you can't, because there are times that women mm -hmm. have to go back to work or an illness occurs, or truthfully, I give them permission if they just don't feel like it, truthfully. Yeah. Um, and there are things that you can do. You can make a really good at-home formula using goat's milk. And here's where we definitely would add in a good bacteria culture to repopulate a healthy microbiome. And there are many ways to do that. But certainly when I was a baby, 70 many plus years ago, they didn't have any kind of thought form about that. They just thought well, formula was great. Yeah. And a lot of the foods you were getting had a lot of these bacteria on them and you were eating That's them all true. the time. And too, being and outside, you know, being outside, getting dirt in your mouth, you know, now kids yeah. aren't allowed to touch dirt. So it does tend to populate on its own. And of course, now we have some really good quality probiotics that we can use intentionally, but certainly to me in the entire microbiome, and I do have a lecture on microbiome, I have over 200 lectures, each of them are an hour and people can participate. They're either cheap or very, very inexpensive to take. And you get three CEU credits if you're a nurse or really any health professional with a license, like a licensed massage therapist, a registered dietitian, um, an acupuncturist, all of those are covered. And we have a class called a microbiome. So the microbiome is so important. And some of the latest research, which is groundbreaking and so interesting, is the gut-brain connection and how the microbiome actually can produce its own chemical messengers that interact with your brain. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. So people who have any kind of health challenge do need to pay attention to what's going on with their microbiome. Yeah, it's really important. I was um, working or studying with, uh, um, what did I have? I had Dr. Uh, William Davis on and, you know, he wrote the wheat belly, but he's got that other book called super Gut. He was the one that kind of rediscovered uh, lactobacillus reuteri, but then found a way to culture it to get the colony forming units, the amount of bacteria in a certain space up to like half a billion colony forming units. So it was enough to actually make a dent and start recolonizing it in your gut. And the only thing he hasn't figured out yet is make it to stick. So you have to have a half a cup of this stuff every day. And then I learned about lactobacillus uh, uh, gasseri. Um, so I started doing that. I do kefirs. Um, so one that was interesting for me though, is these, um, a bifidobacterium, a bifidobacterium infantis. So for the children, this could be a very important, uh, bacteria moms and dads to get into your kids and you should take it too, because, um, uh, it's, it's something to do with those HMOs and those human milk oligosaccharides. I can't remember what it is, but I just remember it was really important. And this could be the difference between you having like a colicky child up at night, sick, lowered immune system. Bifidobacterium infantis. It's very important um, for your kids to get. And what I'm finding out is with these cultured foods, you can actually recolonize this stuff in a delicious way. I mean, right. you can make these yummy yogurts and you, yummy kefirs, and you can. I put huckleberries in mine this morning. Well, um, what we so did uh, on our farm because I had a farm in Bisbee, Arizona, when my children were born. So we had our own goats and milked our goats, and then I used the the goat milk with a culture to make our own kefir and our own yogurt. So that's a whole other level it's than fun, buying right? things in bottles. Yeah. 
It's way fun. And it's you're fun just like, and it's oh. way work. It's way work. Um, I right. definitely went into it with the concept of it's going to be way fun, which it was. <laughs> but then it's a matter of how you pay the bills, you know, and how many hours there are in the day, because I thought I would pay the bills by doing the goat milk and all kinds of natural things. And we also grew marijuana in a greenhouse that were giant. I mean, the stems were like this, they were trees. I would say that wound up being the main cash crop back in the sixties. And so you had to, you had to still, you know, create those things and the goats have to eat all the time, whether they're creating milk or not, you know? Mm -hmm. So all those things are something to consider when you're going to go live off the grid. I yeah. found out. <laughs> yeah, goats are goats are pretty cool. Um, and around here, people actually use them as like lawnmowers. They rent out herds of goats, and they go in and yeah. just destroy these blackberry bushes that that invaded from. They have the, we have the Eastern European blackberry out here, and it's just gone berserk. It's it goes crazier than the local natural uh, blackberries to our region, and they're everywhere now. I mean, you and then just like they just take over, but goats just like they're just like piranha like but you're so you're so right about one one thing i love about that book wheat belly i think that really went through mainstream and a lot of people who had never heard of that concept before were turned on to the fact that what they eat could change not only their internal microbiome but how they feel and how healthy they are overall so that was really really helpful for so many people uh really quick um i know you were directed um the ethnobotany at, at this uh, at college at uh, was it Cochise College in, in Arizona. Yes. What exactly is ethnobotany? Ethnobotany is visiting or just studying cultures all over the world and looking a, at okay. what botanicals are they using for food and medicine. That's what ethnobotany are is. Okay. And so you usually all the ethnobotanists I know, like Chris Killam is a famous one, excellent person and has written many books too, really travel to these areas, get involved with the people who live there and study what plants have they been using for thousands of years for medicinal and edible purposes. Interesting. Yeah, I figured ethno was ethnic and you had traveled a lot, but I just wanted to get clarity on that for the yeah, listeners. Yeah, that's what it is. Cool. Awesome. So, you you know, you've been around, you've done a lot of stuff. What what have you seen with with natural medicine? Um, like, I guess the good, the bad and the ugly, because what I've seen is like, yeah, there's 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 a few very small people like doing it right. But then the rest of it could be like completely synthetic, but it's got a natural label. And then you have some that are kind of a mixed split um, that are, you know, like. They might have, you know, ashwagandha in their formula, but then, but then their vitamin C is ascorbic acid. Is oh, so, so you're you're talking about products now. That's a whole other story. Right? Well, products products are formulations because you can take a formulation and it, you know I understand when an herbologist mixes up, they just hand it to you. They mix it, and hand it to you. It's not like it's kind of custom made, right? So, but for somebody that gets into a product, then you have like um, also you could have a good formula. But then the other ingredients are messed up. So what have you seen? Wait, over and, the last and point 50 that years? out. That's that's a good thing that you talked about. Which everybody, when they're looking at any kind of product, under where it says other ingredients, so other ingredients are very specific if there's a label involved, and that's an important thing to look at. In fact, that's how I start my analysis of any kind of packaged product. 
first I look at the other ingredients. And in most cases, that will disqualify it for my use. <laughs> and, and if I'm recommending it for anyone else, because I don't like a lot of excipients, like I don't even like magnesium stearate. I certainly don't like a lot of the chemical constituents that are put in their flavoring agents and dyes. And, you know, that's in a lot of things that call themselves natural as well. A lot of um, what I I love that you bring this up because I talk about it all the time, like silicon dioxide, magnesium stearate, dicalcium phosphate, a um, bunch of different sugars hidden under the different and names, they have, they have dextrose. you know they they also should be evaluated because sometimes the product is really good and it's just what the person needs, but there is some mag stearate in there, so I will look for one that doesn't have it, mm -hmm. but sometimes there's not, so you have to make the decision, you know, yeah, best of the uh, in worst. a balanced way, right? Yeah. Good. Well, that was a good little point to bring up. Okay. So I should have wrote down what time it was. Um, eight, I think it was 8.50 when we started. Okay. So what are you working on today? So what I work on today is teaching people who would like to do natural for a living. And I find that almost anyone can. First, you have to look at your skills. Let's say you're a graphic designer or you're really good in computer science, but you don't like where you're working and the fact that the, the outcome of your labor is something that eventually hurts people. Well, anyone can actually move into the natural product space or the natural health space, both in your personal life and in your professional life. And I teach a lot of people how to do that and how to eventually move into more of a natural space, both at home and at work. And of course, nowadays, since COVID, home and at work is often the same exact place, isn't it? I think yeah. that was one of the positive um, outcomes of that whole regalia. And so that's an important thing that I'm doing, as well as working with up and coming companies to look at how are they going to formulate with what and how where are they going to source raw ingredients from whom and how to determine and really the regulatory environment because unfortunately the fda and ftc are mega trying to really shut down most of the natural products industry and of course then we have to get into politics because when I started in the natural products industry, believe me, the pharmaceutical companies and the mainstream uh, health industry was not worried, you know, if I told some people to do herbs, you know, what do they care? But now they do because it has grown into such a giant portion of the economy that it Every person who takes charge of their health, like I have on my website, your health is in your hands. Everybody who decides that and changes their health for the better themselves is a huge loss, a huge loss for the pharmaceutical industry. Because if you can stop taking one pharmaceutical, that means you can usually stop taking five. Their goal is to get everybody on like five. And if you notice people my age, they almost all are on. Um, I take my mom to the doctor, she's 95. The doctor says, where's your, where's your drug list? And she says, I don't have any. And they come to me and go, well, you know, we know your mom's a little confused. She's elderly, where's her drug list? I said, no, she doesn't have any, you know, we don't do that. But I can give you a long list of herbs she's on, like tea, for instance. tea is an herb that actually promotes what we call anti-aging. 
actually variations in your metabolism. And it's been used that way in ancient Chinese medicine for many years. So, you know, things like that she is on. She has a long list and, and I do too. So those are things that you can do every time there's a natural alternative. Like, for instance, like you talked about breast milk. You can use a combination that you make yourself out of goat's milk and taurine. So there's always a natural alternative, but you need the education to be able to do that. So like the, the book, The Natural Medicine Chest, is kind of like a little encyclopedia of all this, right? Like, oh, I have this issue and I can go in there. Let's just yes. say somebody is like, okay, somebody has, um, let's take something that's pretty common. Um Arthritis would be a good Well, one. yeah, arthritis, inflammation, yeah. So that's another book that I wrote, which is called Arthritis, The Alternative Medicine Definitive Guide. And I would say this is the best textbook in terms of how to get out of any process, not just arthritis, because it's linked to inflammation. So that book is an entire protocol, juicing, fasting, enemas, colonics, skin brushing, herbal protocols, food protocols, testing protocols to get yourself out of that inflammatory response. And inflammation is linked to every single illness. Name one that it isn't linked to. Yeah, that's why I think grounding is so important because it's something that's very passive. Like I'm I'm grounding right now. I have a mat on my desk and I'm grounding. I have acupressure points, things that I'm stepping on. I sleep a on a grounding, a grounding pad or a grounding sheet. And um, I know that what I've learned is like, as soon as the bare skin of the human body is detached from the earth or is on rubber soled shoes or in a, a car with rubber tires or in, in the second floor or the first floor for that matter of your home sleeping on a bed, you're not grounded. And as soon as you disconnect from the earth, inflammation begins. And this, the inflammatory process is involved in diabetes, in weight gain, in arthritis, of course, in muscular skeletal issues, you know, inflammation is the main promoter, the main metabolic promoter of all disease processes. So if you can get a handle on that, even if it's just simple, like allergies, all of those are an inflammatory response, which diet and herbs and something like grounding, like you're talking about and earthing, it's like walking around without your shoes, but it has all kinds of fancy names now, is really, really helpful. So that's some of the good news that you can do so much to feel better. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually, um, we built uh, a long time ago for well, a few years ago for, for myself, I built it for me. I wanted to reduce cellular inflammation. I was studying turmeric and, you know, I, I don't like just jumping on bandwagons, but turmeric was like awesome. It and is. so I, I read, I was reading a, a, a study where they took 63 participants and they took the curcuminoids, the active ingredient in uh, turmeric, just like we were talking about earlier, where big pharma is looking at like a certain something in a plant or a root or some some type of a plant, and they take it out and they synthesize it. Well, if you could just take the actual constituent out, like the curcumin or curcuminoids out, that was the big anti-inflammatory component of the turmeric root. And what was interesting about that study is they it showed that um, they had taken the curcuminoids and they had um, basically made the particle size very small. And then they gave it to people, and it was increased benefit. But when they suspended it into a liquid, they had 185-fold the anti-inflammatory action. And, I, and I, I kept reading this. I'm like, am I reading this right? And it was like 185%. No, it was 185 times, 185-fold more. And this is without black pepper. There was no 
piperine in there. How do you pronounce that name? Is it piperine or piperine? Because people have been pronouncing it both, both ways. ways. Yeah, I've heard of both ways as well. Does it matter? It's interesting because in Ayurveda, the, the cooking method with turmeric is to warm oil, throw in peppercorns, and when they pop, you add in your turmeric, and then you add in whatever you're going to cook in that. So that's actually an ancient combination. Hmm. Interesting. Oil, peppercorns, pop, add turmeric, go. <laughs> okay. So they, they, it's really interesting in Ayurveda because they have all those different curries, which are like different medicinal um. I mean, these curries are different medicinal, like soups or whatever you want to call them. Um, and they were kind of varied region to region, the different types of curries and for different issues they had or different climate. It was kind of cool. I was like, wow, they're just, they're, it's food is medicine. I mean, even down to the food they were eating, it was actually biological engineering system science. But anyway, back to this turmeric thing. So we've, we found that without that, you could, you could actually, because it would go transdermal through the mouth and through the mucous membrane directly into the blood, but directly into the cell because of the particle size. And so it was actually able to go through the blood brain barrier. So no black pepper was needed because most of it, we are, I, we created a formula around it. Dr. Treadway helped me. And I said, can we, can we replicate this? He's like, yeah, but you'd have to buy this very expensive machine. And we did. And we've been using it now. We have three formulas that we use that process with. Um, and we might use it for some other ones in the future, but wow, we can really deliver and bypass all of people's absorption issues in the stomach, even though, you know, I, the goal is to help them heal their gut, right? They want them to heal themselves, heal their gut, um, and, 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 and bypass also all the inflammation issues on the cell and that poor lipid membrane or fat membrane around the cell and the dehydration they have because they're not drinking enough water. So there's all these things stacked up against people from the time they're not chewing their food well, the gastrointestinal is compromised, mucoid plaques yeah. in there, the absorption process is the compromise from the inflammation, the lipid membrane and dehydration. So with this, we're still able to go bypass all that and go whoop and get it right into the cell. And it's just kind of like a really good thing. And I think that's why I realized, wow, this is uh, something I want to do. So I started using it myself and being a trail runner, I run these hard trails, my knees, but it, you know, I was in my late forties at the time. And, um, I, I could run hard once a week and then take me a whole week to recover. When I started taking that product, I could run twice a week. So Which you is felt what the I, difference. Oh yeah, it's it's what I want to do. So for inflammation, but I was taking it for me for cellular inflammation because I wanted more nutrients to go in my cell, and I wanted waste matter to easier get out of my cell. I wanted more flow through my cells, so that's why I built it. But then I was like surprised. I'm like, well, of course. I mean, people were taking it, and actually, most of the people now are taking our formula for pain and stuff like that. So I'm assuming in your arthritis book you have turmeric in there. Is that correct? It's one of many, many herbs. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's so many herbs that are anti-inflammatory, really. You can, and did foods, you, absolutely. Did you find uh, resveratrol also anti-inflammatory? Res resveratrol is something that's useful. I like to just go up to the plant and pick it myself, like polygodum cuspidatum, and, you know, grows all over here, grows all over by where you are as well. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So, hey, remember, if the electricity goes out, you, you better have a book because you're going to need one. And you have your own – people just don't realize you have – your own pharmacy is literally outside of your house, even in the cities. Like That's there's right. These, these AKA weeds growing up, and it's like, no, it's medicine. It's well, like weeds you, just means you don't free. know what to use it for. That's all that means. Yeah, weed. Don't know what it is, what what the use is. That's really cool. Okay, so um, I what else? We're talking about arthritis. Um 
It's it's a it's a major problem. What about gout? I just want to bring up gout. Oh yeah, because... we have a full gout protocol in there as well. Gout's an interesting concept. One of the best things for gout is something that they're promoting a lot for sleep right now, but it's really excellent for gout, and that's tart cherry. Mm-hmm. Cherry is excellent. Um, also, you know, fasting, juicing, right? Special herbal packs on the toe, which is usually where it shows up although it can show up in other areas because gout is from crystalline substances getting stuck and then it causes inflammation that same thing so gout can definitely be reversed through natural remedies very effectively what exactly are those crystalline sub substances so they've analyzed them Um, i've seen studies where they actually looked at what they are and it seems to vary but uric acid is involved Yeah. yeah okay now you brought up toe, which this is a. There's been a couple things that, you know, I've I lead people to certain things, and um, after trial and error, and working with people like you that have helped me, and helping people get relief and and turn their health around, and many things. The one, two couple things that I've struggled with uh, helping people with has been bipolar and toenail fungus. So. Let's not those get are, into th- those are challenging. Those <laughs> are challenging. Um, in terms of those kinds of challenges, such as bipolar or schizophrenia, um, I've usually, if someone comes to me for that, and now I'm not seeing clients one-on-one anymore, but I have psychiatrists who I work with who actually have been doing this for years, and they get people off their meds in a coherent way. One way is the step-down system, and you can actually use some of the meds and make your own homeopathics, which mm-hmm. then you use a slower and slower down the lower doses, because those are dangerous meds to just stop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Yeah, and you don't want somebody to become suicidal or something like that. Absolutely. You're better off being on the drug sometimes, right? So, so those those are not the first step that I would take. Um, I would do more like, you know, digestive issues, allergies, things that are not life-threatening to begin with. Okay. Now let's wrap up this segment with toenail fungus. So I've heard it was, it's not necessarily a toe problem. It's a gut issue. Usually related. Yes. Yeah. And related. And is there specifically, um, I mean, besides the juicing and the detoxing and the fasting and all these things are going to help everything, right? They're, they're always going to happen. Is there anything specific on this fungus is it because a lot of it's always like we want to kill it but that's not always the case maybe that fungus is supposed to be there in a small amount but it's just out of balance in the gut well most people would rather not have it but you know there are over-the-counter things that are actually quite useful uh dr shoals and stuff like that but the thing that i've seen so work so well believe it or not in terms of topical is soaking your feet in a little bit of water and clorox regular Clorox, and then tea tree oil and neem in terms of applying it on the toenails. And of course, especially in stubborn cases, along with looking at that gut microbiome, because they do tend to migrate and they could wind up in different areas for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard about that, that Clorox one, but I just, I have a hard time. My company is called chemical free body. (laughs) So it's like, I know that Clorox is getting into the system, but I guess, you know, you just, well, it's, it's just in your foot. Yeah. It's in your foot. Right. Exactly. And, you know, try the other things, but Clorox is a fabulous, fabulous, um, detoxer on many levels. For instance, if you want to wash pesticides off food, 
Mm-hmm. And it's like a drop in a gallon. Oh, okay. That titrated. Yes. And often pulls those pesticides off foods better than anything else if you weren't able to buy organic. It's better to just buy organic, of course. Yeah. And I know they also have that, uh, that Kangen machine. Um, it makes, you can make the pH of the water like 11, 11.5. Which is that, right. Exactly. And, and that does a, a darn good job of pulling. I see people put that water in a sink. They throw their vegetables in. You can actually see like yellow brown stuff coming out of the vegetables. The water changes color and kind of or yellow orangey color. It's crazy. Yeah. So that, that might be a good option too. And in those and those foot baths, you see things like that happen. Those electronic foot baths that you you see unbelievable colors coming out of people. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. So we're gonna take another break. When we get back, we'll get wrapped up with Ellen Kamhai, doctor and nurse, and a lot of other stuff she's been doing in a long time. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with doctor and nurse, Ellen Kamhai. She's a.k.a. the natural nurse. Okay, so, you know, a lot of people, like, we're talking about natural medicine. We're talking about herbs and stuff like that. But there's also some, you know, we have to be, we can't be stupid about this because herbs are medicine, right? And I remember talking to a doctor one time and he said, I became a Na- uh, an herbalist, a, na- a master herbalist. And his dad's like, okay, what the hell's that? You know? And so, and he, and he did it and he went out and he was helping people. And he said, he goes, he goes, man, he goes eight out of 10 people. I'd really help them. And I, and let me repeat eight out of 10 people. I'd really help them. And then what happened to the other two? Well, one of them didn't seem like anything happened. And the other one, it would backfire. Right. So you have to be smart about this stuff. So a couple of questions is, is that, you know, everybody's individual. So this is where it should be personalized precision medicine for the individual, not this blanket approach. And so your doctor, your herbalist and stuff like that should be taking that approach, I believe would be the smartest thing because everybody's different. You have different stressors, you have different genetic background, uh, you have a different uh, uh, environment that you live in, whether there's EMFs or you're living next to a chemical plant or you're living next to a, you know, a destructive low vibrational uh, frequency spouse as an example, these are all different factors that come in. Maybe you you just painted your house and you didn't know that you when you painted it, your your house is now off gassing um, these toxic chemicals into your body. So everybody's got different stuff. So number one, I want to just point out that herbs are still medicine, just like food is medicine, right? And it should be different. I wanted you to comment on that first. Well, yeah, an individualized approach is is very important. And if somebody does want to take herbs on their own, you can start with one herb at a time. If you want to do an herbal consult, you do want to speak to someone who's really trained in herbal medicine. That would include a licensed naturopathic physician who went to one of the licensed naturopathic colleges. And there are several, in fact, in your area. There's Bastyr and there's National. Then also... If somebody is an RH, 
that's a registered herbalist. And that's a specific course of study. Anyone who is an RH is very highly trained in herbal medicine and will take into consideration something like herb drug interactions, looking at the pharmaceuticals you're already taking possibly, um, and then seeing which herbs is it safe to use them with or not, which is a very important consideration. In the old days, we didn't worry about it because people who used herbs like myself, we never used any pharmaceuticals. And of course, I still never have ever. But most people, you know, there's a combination there already, especially while they get to be older, they're almost all on at least one drug. And as soon as you start one drug, you get a side effect. So then you're on another drug for that side effect. And any number of those could interact with herbs. And we do know how, how those interactions go. So you can know it, but you have to know how to look it up and consider it. Well, and that's a really important point because every time, you know, there's something going on, my mom's always very concerned, like, should I take this with food? Should I take this on an empty stomach? Can I take it with this medication because of that? And she's right to, to be thinking like that. And there's there's just things to, to think about, and it, you know, basic things like we mentioned that uh, that Congan water before as an example. Like if people are taking that um, and you're doing medications, you 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 can't do it together because it will cause the medications just to all they might be time released and they'll all release at once you know so you have to know these things or i had a guy the other day he said hey tim what about carbon i know you 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 or you know charcoal and like uh, you mentioned charcoal and I, and and, I, and he's just had some heart issues and he's taken he's not new on some meds i was like he goes cuz i want to clean out my digestive tract and i was like john no you <laughs> Especially don't want to do that if you're taking medications because it'll just take your medications right out of your body. Right, it's a great cleanser, but it might not be a good idea to cleanse that stuff out at that time. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so there's, so you know, but if you're out in the woods and you eat some poison, you know, grab a old charcoal log and start eating it, chewing that charcoal. That'll save your life, you know, and that's really smart. And hangovers, it works. It works for um, food poisoning, man. I've turned, I've seen it turn around food poisoning so fast, like charcoal, it's like 30 minutes to an hour. And then people are starting to turn around yeah, and they can't believe detoxing. it rather, rather than being sick forever. Right. So these things have their place. I just want people to understand that if you're going herbal, you have to look at it as it's still medicine, right? And you have to be smart about it and understand that if it didn't work for you, maybe it was because that type of herb wasn't um, the right herb for you. And, you know, maybe you need to talk with your herbalist about finding something else that works because this is exactly what happens in Western medicine. So many people take um, like a high blood pressure medication and then they can't see at night to drive like, or they get itchy skin or they fall asleep during the day. And so there's these side effects that Ellen was talking about and people don't just go, Oh, the hell with all of it, which would probably be a good idea. But they seem to jump the gum like gun like that when it comes to herbal stuff, because the doctor Western doctors just going to say, oh, we'll take this one instead. We'll take that one instead. They're just trying to find the right combination. So what you want to do is take the time, start small, like she said, with maybe one herb, work your way up, and then pay attention to your body. I always recommend doing these things in the morning when you're starting anything new. That way you have time during the day to really feel it, see how it makes you feel. Don't take something at night when you're going to bed. Um, plus, if in the worst-case scenario, if you had a, a Hertz reaction, a really bad reaction to it, like people do with like eating peanut butter or something, a small amount of folks, then you want to be during the daytime where you could get medical help and stuff like that. So we just have to be smart about it, find out what works. And, um, and then eventually you'll have this whole 
Cheser, uh, chest of herbs, uh, like the same name as your book. Right. And, um, and then you'll have your go-tos, right. And you'll just know, Oh, I got this. I'm going to go to that. I got this. I'll go to that. And it's not like now it's crisis time and you're trying to figure this stuff out. We're trying to get you guys excited about this today. So you can start, start, you know, growing some basil in your house. That's very important. Start growing some sprouts in your house. These fruit is medicine and start getting some of these herbs, get a book, grab her book and go out there and start picking wild stuff. So why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think this is so important and what a great thing. You want to do something with your kids, you know, um, yeah, going to the pumpkin patch is a good thing. It's awesome. You're getting out on the farm. I think those are good things. But, you know, if you had to like taking the kids to watch Barbie versus taking them on a wild foraging trip with you and your spouse, I think that would be a much better choice. Oh, that would be a hard decision. Barbie was fantastic. I was so (laughs) incredibly surprised at how excellent that movie was. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Okay. I, just, uh, see I didn't say I can't believe you. It's a big I, surprise. I, it's a big surprise. I thought there's no way I would ever watch that. I'm just My like, granddaughter then, asked me to go. Okay. She's seven. Oh, okay. I got and it. And so I, I said, so okay, you, had, you know, yeah, I'll yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was blown away. It's a major social statement. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> you might be the only person on earth that could convince me. You're actually a great <laughs> proponent for Barbie. <laughs> They should you hire can, you. You can, wait, you can wait till it comes on, you know, on TV or rerun or with Netflix or whatever. But it well, when, is when they, when really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about foraging because it's um because like you were t- we were talking about this earlier, and I think everybody should be doing it. Get a freaking yeah. foraging book and get out there and start learning well, they this have, stuff they now. They do have great apps now. I mean, great apps. Oh, yeah, Some of them yeah, are yeah. free that you just point at the plant and it'll tell you what it is. And then you need another app, and there are many, that tell you what it might be useful for, if it's poisonous or not, if it's edible or medicinal or not. So you really can learn a lot through those apps. But better yet, find what's called a wild crafter in your area. You can contact the American Herbalist Guild to look up wild crafters in your area. Or if you still have one of these mom and pop health food stores, very often they'll give a walk through them or through your local library. So you can seek out your local wild crafter. Also the Cornell Cooperative Extension, people who work there often give local weed walks. And so, you know, it's a process. And each time you go on one of these journeys, if you learn one new plant, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. Like today, I'll be doing one. I'll, I'll cover 25 plants. And by the end, everybody's, you know, forget it. I said, no, just pick one that you're going to learn today. And then you yeah. come back and see it during every portion of the year. You learn to taste it, make a tea out of it, et cetera. It's a process. Yeah. That's what I did when I started the whole growing process again, because I grew up on a farm. So I understand we had a big garden. I just started sprouting. And every time I had reorder seeds, I'd order a new, new seed. That was my process. Every time I ordered seeds to replenish what I had, I'd order a new seed. And then it was like started with wheatgrass and then I got sunflower and then it was pea sprouts and then buckwheat. And then we went to broccoli and then alfalfa and then red clover and then red lentil, French lentil, green lentil, fenugreek, mung beans. And I, we just kept adding, 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 adding. And, and they're all it. different. Each of those has a different everything, how it looks when it starts to grow, how it tastes, how long it lasts, et cetera. So that's great. Yeah, it's really neat. So again, like what, what Alan said is start small. So get a foraging book. Um, go find uh, – You it was the American what guild? What was it again? American Herbalist Guild. Herbalist Guild, okay. 
And that's where you guys can go look up wild crafters in your area and look up these people that are taking people on these wild hikes and stuff down in Portland. I never got to do it, but there was a guy down there. He would take like 20 people and they would, they would get in this bus and they would drive down to the coast of Oregon and along the way they'd stop. And sometimes it was the same spot he'd do. He'd talk to, cause he'd just knock on somebody's uh, door. I'm like, Hey, I, I'm teaching an herbalist class and, was wondering if we could go out and look at your weeds and pick a few of them. And they would be like, uh, yeah, you can take them all. You know, it's like <laughs> they had zero value in them. They were like, we're going to mow them. We're going to spray, we spray them. He just made sure they weren't spraying, made sure they never sprayed if they hadn't sprayed. So he had these spots that he could go and they would, he would take them out in these people's fields and farms and along the side of the roads and, and pick stuff. And they would pick all this stuff and then they'd go to the beach and they'd walk out into this in the bay and they would grab sea vegetables and stuff and maybe some mussels or something like that and oysters or something like that. And then they would go back and they would all prepare food together and then they have this dinner. That's and what we do. Wonderful experience. So we, we do those kind of things, like I said, in Florida at the Hockerty Center. This week we're doing one at Gilberti's Organic Herb Farm in Connecticut. We do that all over the country. And not just us, but you want to seek out you know, who's doing it by you. Go out with a lot of different people. That's how you learn it. So, Ellen, if, if it comes down to it, let's say um, there's an event and the electrical grid goes down. Um, and again, can you remind people how well, your age? My age? Yes. 73. You're 73. Electrical grid goes down. Are you concerned? Not really. I mean, yes, because there's a hurricane. Your house is also gone. It's not great. But I always have water stored. I have filters that I could even do rainwater in, you know, mm -hmm. so that it's drinkable. And then I have a whole lot of plants dried and ready to go. And then I know every plant that's right outside that I can walk up to and eat. So it's it's a good thing to know. Well, that is a good place to be in, isn't it? Not yeah, not living in fear because fear actually no. lowers your immune system. <laughs> There's no reason to worry. No reason to worry. Awesome. Because well, you're I, not getting out of here alive anyway. So <laughs> that is true. Right. So, you know, why not learn this stuff? It's very empowering. I think uh, any preppers listening will, are probably going to like your book. So where's the uh, what's uh, your final words of wisdom for for people listening today? So if you'd like to get in touch, best place to do that is natural nurse, all one word, naturalnurse.com. And again, your health is in your hands. A pretty profound statement. It's not going to happen. Um, I, it reminds me of, uh, I've maybe mentioned this a couple of times. It's an ancient Chinese proverb. It's similar to what you just said. Man wait on side of hill long time with mouth wide open before roast duck fly in. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it means that you have to get up off your butt and go do something, right? Things aren't just going to fall. You're not going to have a roast duck fly in your mouth if you lay on the side of a hill, right? So we have to, we make our own, uh, we live in the present moment. We, we create our own destiny. We create um, the fear or in the anxiousness inside of us, or we create the peace and the harmony and the love and the compassion. And these are all choices. And I want to encourage all of you listening to get ahead of the game. We don't, you know, we always plan, plan for the worst, but we expect the best. That's a smart thing to do. Just be prepared. Like, cause stuff happens. Like, you know, um, I've had it before where a car runs into a telephone pole and we're out of electricity for a day or two because they took out the whole 
thing. Or actually, we had a train derail and just destroy this major electrical thing when I was living out in Canby, Oregon. And we didn't have we didn't have power for like two, three days because a train hit it. I mean, things happen. That's part of life. And the question is, is when these things happen, are you prepared? That's what it boils down to. And I'm telling you, it's so fun to be prepared for wild foraging. It's so fun to learn about these herbs and medicine. And you're like, wow. Um, like instead of eating the sugar, I can make my own Kool-Aid using hibiscus leaves. And I could literally sweeten it with the leaf of this other plant called stevia. It's a stevia plant. With those two plants, you can make your own homegrown Kool-Aid. Like literally, and you don't even you don't even need heat. It'll it'll just you put the flower, the hibiscus flower leaves in a thing of water and let it set there for eight hours, and it's done. And you can actually, if you want to, you can eat those juicy succulent leaves after they've soaked up that water, and then you put some, you smash some stevia in a mortar and pestle those leaves, and then now you've you've got this sweetener, and you throw that in there, and you you literally made your kids Kool Aid. You can teach your kids how to make Kool Aid with a flower leaf and a leaf of a stevia plant. How about that? How fun would that be? And that stuff literally can grow right outside your house. You don't have to put these, you know, red dye five or whatever it's called in there that right. actually causes cancer. And then the sugar they put in there to sweeten it is like the highest sprayed crop in the world. It's got chemicals on it. And it's, you know, as we've talked about before, sugar is almost the identical structure of cocaine. So instead of giving your ch children this cocaine-like sweetener, highly addictive, and putting in some red coloring agent um, that causes cancer, you, you see the see how easy this can be. You just you take a hibiscus leaf and the leaf of a stevia plant, and you show your children where they are, what they are, how to make it, and then all they need to do is have some purified water at that point. And you're going to need water for the Kool Aid crap that you're dumping in the packet in anyway, right? So it's like guys, it's that simple. It is that simple. And Ellen, I want to thank you for your time and your investment and, and your life and your career and what you've done. I'm, I'm so excited to um, just to, to know you and have you in my life and learn more from you. And I, hope the I, I know the listeners got a lot um, from this today. I know I did, and I'm very excited. Um, I only usually have people on once, but I'm there's been very few people I've had on twice, but I could see you actually being a regular, maybe even become part of our programs. I'm definitely going to hire you probably to consult us with some stuff. Cause I just, I, I believe in trusting you so, so much. So anyway, thank you for your time today. And I want to thank too. the list, thank the listeners for, um, for listening and helping us to continue to grow and be one of the fastest, uh, you know, health podcasts on the planet. I hate to say the word alternative because this is mainstream where nature is mainstream. Your body is mainstream. This is the, you know, the evolution back to nature is where all the solutions are. And it's so simple. It's literally right outside uh, your porch. Probably you have, you have medicine grown all over the place and stuff like that. So I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for liking and subscribing. And please, if you found some value in this episode, which I know you did go ahead and share it with other people and help us get the word out. It's all bottoms root, uh, uh, grassroots bottoms up type movement thing that we're doing here. And we're a part of, and we appreciate you guys until next time, change yourself, change your world. And I'll see you guys again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>